You are listening to the CMC Podcast. Join us each week for messages designed to equip, inspire, and motivate. And now for today's message from Pastor Paul Kern. And we'll turn to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to get right into this study. We're going to start where Josh left off in verse 13. And we're going to read a few verses together. And then we'll dive in. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, we're going to read all the way through verse 26. It says, For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Well, we could just stop right there and go home. <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's a lot right there. It says, For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself, But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying one another. So I say, let the Holy Spirit, come on, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. We're going to talk about him tonight because he is so important. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. Can I, can I have a amen? You said it, brother. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you're not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. You know, I I used to see all this at one time when I would go clubbing. I saw all those sins at one time (laughs) back when I was lost and I would go clubbing. You could just get it all right there in one place. It It was wonderful, let me tell you. It's just great. That's why I'm still doing it, right? Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives, let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. Okay, so verse 13, let's look at that again. For you have been called to live in what? Freedom, my brothers and sisters. So don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, okay? So Paul's going to unwrap this for us here. Now, guys, we live in a culture, (laughs) Oh, man. We live in a culture that demands more and more freedom to live however they want to live and do whatever they want to do. I mean, and, and, and it's in the name of personal rights that they get to do it. it. You know, authority is defied and resisted in the name of personal rights, which is really just a, a nice disguise for the flesh to carry out all of its misdeeds and what it wants to do. And I'm just going to call it the way it is. Like the Israelites in the day of Judges, sinful people want to do what is right in their own eyes. 
And I don't care if it did happen 4,000 years ago. People are the same. People are exactly the same. We are no different than they were then. The only difference that it may, is between us and them is we have the Holy Spirit and they didn't. We, we, we've been given this great gift to help us live a different kind of life. Now, this so-called freedom that I'm talking about that people want, it's a ruse. It's really not real. Because instead of true freedom, it puts you into bondage to addiction. We've got alcoholism. We've got people addicted to porn. We've got people addicted to their anger. We've got people being held in bondage to all kinds of, of sins in their life. You know, violence, hatred. Well, I mean, turn on the news. I mean, just look at it. it it's, it's being broadcast all the time. We see this constantly. All kinds of forms of bondage, which, which people ultimately become powerless to escape. In the name of freedom. I want the right to do what I want to do, but what they don't realize, if you give your flesh license to do what it wants to do, your flesh will make you a slave. It'll, it'll turn you into a prisoner of sin. In this statement, you can always know to be true. When people choose to persist in sin, they just want to keep living in it, they develop less and less control over their own personal life until eventually they forfeit all control over their life and they become a slave. And you can't tell me that that isn't true because I lived it. If there was a poster for what not to do, my picture was right there. Just that guy right there. I was the guy that ever all the parents in town talked about. Don't let your daughter around that boy. Don't let your kids hang around that kid. He is trouble. And so we have to understand. See, Jesus said, truly, everyone who commits sin is the slave of sin. And like I said, when I was lost, I was a, I was a slave to my sinful nature. I did what my flesh wanted to do. If my flesh said, be in a bad mood, I was in a bad mood. If my flesh said, go steal from these people, I stole from them. If my flesh said, you know, go out here and live this kind of life, that's the kind of life I went and lived. I was not under my control of myself. My, my sinful thoughts and my sinful actions were controlling my life in every area of my life. Jesus said in John eight thirty six. If the Son makes you free, you are, help me, truly free. And I, I, I mean, when, when I encountered the real Jesus, and I'm talking about the real one, not the one that a lot of people talk about that is the real one, but he's not really the real one, okay? When you encounter the real Jesus, you're never the same. You don't live the same, think the same, spend your money the same, vote the same, act the same, think the same. Everything about you changes, and you can't help it. It's not like you're, you're faking it. It's not like you're trying to be it. Because Christ comes inside of you, and we're going to talk about this because this is what Paul really is emphasizing to us. When, when Christ comes inside of you, all of a sudden, you just, you know, feel different. Instead of being mad at people and not liking people, you want to hug people and love people. Instead of, you know, falling into road rage in your car and letting that overtake you, instead, you know, you have the Holy Spirit that brings this control. No, I mean, I, I can't act like that. That's not who I am. That's not who God has called 
me to be. Can I have an amen? So the theme of the Galatian letter is freedom in Christ, Christian liberation. Christian liberation. I, lo- I call my salvation day my liberation day. It was the day that I got set free, and it was so good. And you know what? The, the cool thing about it, this freedom just gets more and more and more freedom as you go deeper and deeper and deeper into Jesus. So Christian liberation is the theme of Galatians, but, but this message comes with a problem, and this is what Paul wants to address here. Because the idea of Christian freedom can be so misunderstood and misapplied. And we, I've watched this happen in people's lives. Paul knew the importance of understanding the true significance of what Christian freedom looks like. And I'm going to try to do my job here to, to explain this to all of us here in this session. Paul speaks about freedom. Freedom from frustrating oppressive, condemning legal system that was impossible for anybody to keep. That is the freedom that Paul is talking about. We have been set free from the law, right? We don't live under that oppressive control of the law. See, the Judaizers believed that the law was the only restraint that kept sin from really running rampant and bringing God's judgment on the world. That's what they believed. There had to be this system of law, the Mosaic law. It had to be in place because if not, God's judgment would come on everyone. but, 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 and so there had to be this system of laws that set boundaries on behavior and that carried penalties that were severe enough to make people conform out of fear. In other words, okay, listen, if you, if you go out and you steal this, we're going to cut your hand off. If you go out and you take this from your neighbor, we're going to stone you. If, if you go have adultery, we're going to put you to death. Well, that, that uh-huh, right? Fear. I don't think I'm going to do that. <laughs> that, that controlled people. And so they saw Paul as being this libertarian. Paul's just this guy. He's lost it. He did, you know, he used to be this Pharisee. He used to understand how you were supposed to live. And now he's met this Jesus guy and Jesus started preaching all this crazy stuff to him. And now he's believed it. And Paul's just become this guy who's just this libertarian. They didn't realize that becoming a Christian, it involves having Christ's own nature and spirit come reside inside of you. And see, now you're no longer having to be controlled by all of these external rules and laws. Now you're influenced internally by the Holy Spirit that resides and lives inside of you. You don't need those things anymore. There's a better, higher way of living life. So, They saw Paul as this guy that was going to bring a lot of problem. But the fact is, the law is for the lawless at heart. Police aren't for us. They're for the lawbreakers. I like the police. I want them around. Them coming and knocking on my door and hauling me off. Why? I'm not giving them a reason to do that. And I don't plan on it. 
See, as a Christian, we have the privilege of living under the internal guidance, leadership, and teaching of the Holy Spirit. He does that for us every single day. The internal restraint of the Holy Spirit. You know, you're thinking, you know, I think I'm just going to give them a piece of my mind. And the Holy Spirit says, better not do that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm so angry right now. I'm just, I'm thinking about going, I'm just going to wear my kid. You might want to think that through. I'm not saying you might not need to spank them, but you don't need to spank them in anger. And so, you know, the Holy Spirit becomes that guide for us, that teacher, that revealer of truth. So as a Christian, we've got this privilege now of living under the internal influence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I've heard legalism and libertinism described as two rivers. I'll describe them to you. It's clear, it's sparkling, and it's pure. But its waters run deep and so furiously that no one can enter it without drowning or being dashed against the rocks of its harsh demands. The stream of libertism, by contrast, is relatively quiet and still. And crossing the stream seems easy, it seems attractive, but its waters are so contaminated with poisons and pollutants that to try to cross it is certain death. Both streams are uncrossable and deadly. One, because of the impossible moral and spiritual demands, and the other is uncrossable because of the moral and spiritual contamination that it'll bring into your life. But spanning these two deadly streams is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And see, Jesus is the one who makes it possible for us to cross both of these streams and come into the presence of our Father and experience all that Father God wants us to experience on a daily basis. Can I have an amen? So here's what we have to understand as Christians. The Old Testament governmental law was, was abolished in Christ. It was done away with in Christ Jesus. The purpose of that form of law was to set the Jewish people apart from the rest of the world as God's distinctive chosen people. That was why God did that in the beginning. When Jesus came, that system ceased to be necessary. Because when Jesus died on the cross and his blood was shed, he paid the penalty for the broken law. His blood washed away all of our sins and the curse that we were all under. And Jesus' sacrifice itself was fully and eternally made on all our behalfs. That's why we don't need that anymore. It's unnecessary. The old has passed and the new has come. Remember what Jesus said when he came out of the grave? He said, behold, I have made all things new. New. And I cry because I'm full of joy over that. I mean, that's so freeing for us that we don't have to live in that place of of condemnation. And I lived there for so many years trying to be a Christian, but feeling condemned 
all the time. And you just can't live a powerful life or pray powerful prayers or have any kind of real relationship with God in the Spirit when you live with that type of mindset and that type of mentality. So Jesus doesn't alter God's moral nature. He doesn't alter God's desire for us to live holy. All of those things are still there. Jesus didn't do away with God's holy nature or God's desire for us to live holy. No, Jesus didn't do away with any of that. What Jesus does is he enables us to fulfill them internally. See, because he comes and lives inside of us, he enables us to fulfill them internally as well as externally because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who is now inside of us. See, that's what he helps us do. So look at the second part of verse 13. Paul told them not to turn their freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Now, Paul probably responded this way for two different reasons. The first reason was in response to the Judaizers who thought Paul was saying that you can live any way you want to live. And that was not what Paul was saying, but that's what they thought Paul was saying. Just do whatever you want to do. Um, And then secondly, it was for believers who were tempted to abuse their Christian liberty, right? I'm a Christian now, I can can live however I want to because I'm set free from the law. I'm not under the law of Moses anymore, so I can live however I want. So Paul wants us to understand here that it is from sin represented in the flesh that the gospel saves us from. The gospel saves us from ourselves. The gospel saves us from our flesh that wants to control our lives and tell us what to do and tell us how to live and tell us to be in a bad mood and rude and selfish and jealous and mean and ugly and just not love anybody and not care and just be, you know, just this terrible person. That's what the flesh wants. The flesh wants us to be that way. That's what Jesus came (laughs) to set us free from. Can I have an amen? So Christian freedom is not the right to return to the life from which Jesus saved us. He saved us from that life. He didn't save us so that we could live that life. He saved us from that life. And that's why I said, when Jesus comes inside of you, you're different. I mean, you don't don't live like you used to live. You don't act like you used to act because Jesus comes in and changes you. All right, look at 1 Peter chapter 2 with me. Just flip over there real quick. 1 Peter chapter 2 or go in your app. Look at verse 16. We actually got two or three scriptures we're going to look at real quickly. 1 Peter 2, 16, for you are free, yet you are God's, what? Slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. None of us are free to get drunk. None of us are free to look at pornography whenever we feel like it. None of us are free to walk around and gossip about people whenever we want to. None of us are free to live unrestrained lives. No, that kind of person gives very strong evidence that they're not a Christian at all. Because a Christian is going to have the fruit, and it talks about this here in these last few verses, the fruit of the Spirit coming out of their life. If you're in the flesh, you'll have the fruit of the flesh. If you're led by the flesh, you'll have the fruit of the flesh coming out of your life. If you're walking in the Spirit, then the fruit of the Spirit are going to be the things that mark who you are. It's going to to be clear. You're going to see that 
Nobody's going to have to guess it. The last part of verse 13, but through love serve one another. See, this takes our Christian freedom to a higher level. Here's one of the reasons God set you free. So that you can love one another. That you can serve one another. Man, and I, I, I see people in our church doing this all the time. We got guys that help on the basketball teams and the baseball teams and our schools and all, you know, come and volunteer. And te- we have people that volunteer all in our church that do for people and help. I see this being expressed all the time. In Luke 22, verse 24 through 27, it says, they begin to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. These are, these are Jesus's guys. It's, they're, they're, they're in training, right? <laughs> they're learning. And Jesus told him, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people, yet they're called friends of the people. But among you, it will be what? Different. See, among you, it's going to be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? Well, the one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. Not here. For I am among you as one who serves. And listen, church, I'm going to tell you something. If you don't have a hold of serving yet as a Christian, you may be some young Christians here, or maybe you've been a Christian for a very long time, but you're not involved in serving in any way. You, you come to church, you know, you're here, and that's great. But there's a higher level in life that Jesus wants to take us into. The Bible says it's in giving that you receive. And the happiest people, the most mentally and emotionally stable people, the most strong spiritually people that I've ever met are people who serve. And Jesus gave us that example. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 7, it says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think equality with God as something to be grasped or to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. So when Jesus comes into your heart, you receive his nature. And his nature is that of a servant. And just, you just want to serve. I was hanging out with a couple of friends last night. And, and you know, her, the husband, he, he's a good friend of mine. This guy's so busy. He's got so much going on. And he was like, I'll come over and help you do that. And I was like, no, you have too much going on. Oh, no, I don't. I'll come help you. And I just thought, that's Jesus. That's Jesus right there. I mean, that, that was Jesus just, just talking to me. And I, I, I love that. Go back to uh, Galatians 5 and look at verse 16. Paul encourages us to walk by the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. Okay? Now, those two terms I want you to get a hold of. Walk by the Spirit and be led by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit. It says, walk by the Spirit, listen, not walk by the law. There's a difference. It's talking about this relationship that we have in the Spirit with Jesus. Not this rule-based 
Christianity that so many people live under and they're, they're religious and they're miserable. No, that, it says walk by the Spirit. You didn't save yourself by your own resources and you can't live the Christian life by your own resources. God saved you. And the only way that you can live the Christian life is through the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. That's the way it works. So the point is this. If you're led by the Spirit, you won't carry out the deeds of the flesh. You just won't. If you're law-led, that's all you'll think about. When I was law-led, I thought about, well, I can't go there. I can't do that. Well, I better not do it. You know, my parents said I can't do that. Well, if I, what if I get caught doing that? You know, and that just made me want to do it all the more. And now being spirit-led, I'm like, I'm free. I don't want to do that. I got a lot of other things I'd rather do that are way better. It's just a change of heart and mind. See, being spirit-led, spirit-led is like living out of a want-to. And law-led is like living out of a have-to. There's a huge difference between being spirit-led and being law-led. Being law-led is, is going to produce the fruit of the flesh that it talks about in verses 19 through 21. And they're not good. We read them. Being spirit-led produces the fruit of the spirit that was described in verses 22 and 23. All you need, listen, all you need to live a holy life is the Holy Spirit. And he was given to you the moment that you believed in Jesus. And that's all you need. What you need to do is, is cultivate that relationship with him. Man, I, I talk to the Holy Spirit every day, all day long. I mean, I just cultivate that. Romans 8, verse 9, listen to this. Romans 8, verse 9. But you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. So if anybody ever asks you, do you have the Holy Spirit? You know what your answer is? Yes, he lives in me. Romans 8, verse 9, says it right here. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give life to your immortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. So even the newest, listen, even the newest, most untaught Christian in our church, you may be one week old in the Lord, you may be five minutes old in the Lord, you have to understand that because of the Holy Spirit, we're all the same. We all have that guide. We all have that teacher. We have him right there, that resident teacher and strengthener. So the Holy Spirit uses Scripture to assist us in our growth. And that's why we talk a lot around here. You know, I know our lead pastor, Pastor Tim, at the beginning of every year gets up and talks about reading your Bible all the way through. The Holy Spirit, he, he teaches us. As we read the Scripture, he teaches us. He opens our hearts up to change and to growth and conformity to God's will and, and, and all of the virtues that come from 
you know, his, the supreme source of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Paul says, walk by the Spirit. Now, notice the word walk. We said be led, and we said walk. Now, I want you to notice this word walk. Paul uses the word walk to indicate that it is a continuous, regular action. In other words, a habitual way of life. If you're going to get somewhere, what are you going to do? You're going to walk, and you're going to keep walking. It's a habitual way of life. That's why he used that word. He's trying to paint a picture for us here so that we understand what he's talking about. Now, walking implies progress, going from where you are to where you ought to be, right? That's why we walk in the Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit, as we submit daily, habitually, to the Holy Spirit, I promise you, like Tim says, you can't not keep from moving forward. You're going to move forward if you're walking with the Holy Spirit. Daily, you're going to grow in Christ, and that's what we all want. The, the Holy Spirit is our source of holy living. It's, it's how we're commanded to walk. So we partner with the Holy Spirit to accomplish God's will in our lives. Now, in Galatians 6, verse 9 and 10, and this will be the one that we're going to be covering soon, it says, let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those who are in the family of faith. So let me close with this. The power for Christian living is entirely from the Holy Spirit, just as the power of salvation is entirely from Jesus. None of that's from us. It's all from God. But both are the justifying work, both the justifying work of Christ and the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's God's will, and it's what we're called to commit to, okay? That's, that's what we're called to do. So as believers, we're led by the Spirit. We have to be willing to go where the Spirit guides us and where he leads us and how he tells us to live our lives. And we're also called to walk by the Spirit. We partner with God. We read our Bibles. We pray. We bring our flesh under control. And we allow the Lord to lead us in all we do. So to claim surrender to the Holy Spirit but not be personally involved in God's work is to call Jesus Lord, Lord, like, the, like Jesus talked about, and then not do what he says. Well, if you can't call, you know, think about it. If The only thing that you can say to a Lord is yes. The only response that you can give to a master is what? Yes, not no, or I don't feel like it, or I might do it later. No, there's only one response. Go do this. Yes, master, I will do that. So we all need to make it our ambition this week to walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. When we walk in the Spirit and we're led by the Spirit, guess what we're going to produce? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. It's all going to just naturally flow out of our lives because those are the fruit that the Holy Spirit bears as a result of us walking in Him. Amen? Did y'all get something out of that? Good deal. Let's stand together. We'll pray and we'll dismiss. God, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. God, we're grateful. Help us to walk this week by your power and by your spirit, God, so that we can bear the fruit of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. You have been listening to the CMC Podcast. For more information about CMC, our different conferences, Christian school, college internship, resources, and more, go to cmchurch.com.